0: Welcome back for episode 13 of Self-Signed Artist. Lucky number 13. Don't skip out on this one, even if you're superstitious, because it's an important topic, I think, for every artist. Today, we're going to help you answer the age-old question for yourself. Singles versus EPs versus albums. What should you be releasing to maximize your
1: reach? You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. How's
0: it going, everybody? I'm Kobe Nelson, and I'm here once again with Jake Mannix. Yo. We're back recording virtually this time. Last week was cool, though. I wish I lived closer so that we could record these in person in the studio like that every week. That was pretty nice.
1: That was so cool.
0: And even after the episode, we got a little bit of time to throw around some music ideas and write a little bit. I don't know if anybody's going to do anything with that, but it was still a good time.
1: Oh, most definitely. Hell yeah.
0: So, Jake, you've been doing a lot of writing Lately, you've kind of been on a little bit of a writing kick, it seems like, lately. Is there anything you can tell us about, or is it all top secret stuff still?
1: (laughs) Oh, definitely, definitely top secret. (laughs) So top secret. Um, Everything
0: in the works. It's all sounding really cool. So as you're writing songs, this kind of brings us to the question of the day. Do you have any plans for when you put more music out? I know you've been kind of doing the single thing for a little bit. Is there a plan to stick with that format and continue releasing singles? Or do you have any plans for an album or an EP going down the road?
1: Um, I'm not sure. That's actually something I've been wanting to talk about with the people that I talk about things with. <laughs> because, <laughs> because, as you may know, I decided to completely overhaul my branding. And I'm going to separate my Instagram account and just approach it differently and take it, take it more seriously because I do love music and writing music and all that. And I feel like I'm not giving that part of my creativity, the attention and work that it deserves. So, um, that being said, there are quite a few songs, not quite a few, there's a few songs that I've been working on and whether I'm going to do singles or an EP or not, I will, it will definitely either be a single It's singles or an EP. There's definitely not enough songs for an album. But the reason that I might do singles over an EP, especially since I just decided to redo everything, is to kind of pull more new fans in and not just, uh, I don't know the correct term for this, but like give them everything at once and just have more steady content to put out so I'm not dropping off the face of the earth for six months again, you know? Yeah. And kind of plan things out a little better. So whether that's in the form of an EP or a single or singles, I'm not I'm not sure yet.
0: All right, cool. Yeah. I mean, this is what we're going to be talking about today. Pretty much every artist has to make these sorts of decisions at one point or another. And this is not a new question or a new problem. People have been debating about what's best, singles, EPs, or full albums since... Vinyl LPs first hit the market and the 10-song album became physically possible to make. The new era of streaming, obviously what we're in now, adds a bit more complexity to the issue since sales are no longer the goal. And I guess streaming isn't new anymore, but it's new enough where I think a lot of people still have questions about what the best release strategy is. I don't necessarily think that there's a standard yet for, I don't know, what's a best practice as far as a release strategy goes. Mm -hmm. So that's what we want to go over today. We've gotten a little bit of your take on the issue, Jake, right there. So let's go through each of these strategies and just kind of list off some of the pros and cons. And then at the end, I'll give you my take on the industry at the moment and give you uh, a little bit of a rundown as to how I came to that opinion. Does that sound like a plan?
1: Sounds like a plan, Stan. Cool. (laughs)
0: All right, so let's actually start with full-length albums. And for clarity's sake, let's just call a full-length album anything with, I don't know, seven tracks or more. Seven tracks? Eight tracks? I don't know. What do you think is a good cutoff for that?
1: I would say seven or eight as well. Seven or
0: eight? Yeah, somewhere around there. So albums came from a completely different music industry than where we are right now and it it just looked a lot different than it does now. The industry was based on record sales. So just to get into how an album came to be a thing, I'll give you an abridged version of the history of the album. And it goes something like this. So, advancing quote-unquote technology at the time made it possible to fit close to an hour of music onto a single vinyl record split across both sides. So you had an A side and a B side, and this was the 12-inch, 33, and a third RPM record that you probably associate with the term vinyl record now. There were other sizes and other speeds, but that was kind of the, the main one that made the album possible, and some of the other ones we might come back to later on in our discussion today. The thing is that length was originally developed to accommodate classical music, which is often much longer than the popular songs that were kind of taking over the radio at the time that this was all being developed. But the fact that it was possible to fit that much time on a record combined with the shorter length of songs that had become the standard on the radio created a pretty interesting marketing opportunity for the artists of the time and the labels of the time songs could get bundled together shorter songs could get bundled together and released as albums instead of singles which of course if you're bundling things together you can sell them for a higher price so this kind of idea was originally a marketing strategy to command a higher price for these releases And this started to get really popular in the 60s, kind of like Beatles era. And it really, really took off in the late 60s and the 70s with concept albums. Sure, that's a term you've heard of. They often were meant to be listened to continuously from beginning to end. So from first song through last song, just front to back, no stops. So that's kind of the origin of the album, and that's about as concisely as I think I can sum it all up. But I think it's important to understand a little bit about the history and the origins of the album so that we can relate it back to the modern music industry and the modern album. So we have that out of the way. Now let's go through some of the reasons that you might want to choose to release your music as an album in the 2020s, like 60 years after they really took off for pop and rock music. So pro number one to an album release in the current industry, even though streaming has taken over record sales, putting out albums, I think, can still be good for marketing for the same reason that they were back then. There, I think, is often still more hype that surrounds album releases than there are around singles or EPs. And I think fans get more excited when an artist puts out a full-length album than they do when the artist releases a single. I'm sure there are exceptions to that. Jake, would you agree with that or do you think that that's not the case?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're definitely two entirely different pieces of of work and the way they're received is going to be entirely different. I mean, I don't know, personally like I can't I can't even think of the last time well yes, I can. So never mind. <laughs> but, <laughs> but aside from that, aside from this one record, I can't remember the last time I just like indulged in like a full record. It was probably like the 1975 second full length. You know what I mean? Like
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think anybody really listens to albums the way that they used to back in the day. Mm-hmm. I think my from my standpoint, I'm coming from the idea that fans... And audiences, if given the choice between 10 great songs and one great song, fans are obviously going to always choose 10 great songs. It's just there, you can build more hype around that because there's just more content there. So bundling what could have been 10 singles into one album, I think will actually generate more hype for you, even though they might be exactly the same content. It might be exactly the same songs, but you'll get more excitement built up around it than you would if you split all the songs up and just release them separately. Right. This is obviously my opinion and we could debate this all day long, but that's, that's just kind of my, my thinking. Also, I think that music press is still sort of structured around album releases more than singles. It's kind of switching up a little bit. You've got like hype machine and stuff like that, that kind of is more singles focused but I think, in general, music press is still structured around album releases. That might be another thing that's changing quickly, too. But that's something to consider, especially if you're if you're looking to get some press to kind of build up publicity around your releases. The second pro, I think, to writing albums or releasing albums is structure to your writing process. And this is really going to depend on who you are as an artist, and how you actually go about writing. But I think that writing 10 songs for an album means that you have to write 10 songs that fit fairly well together. All of them should have a somewhat similar sound. It should be a cohesive body of work. And there's, I think, something to be said for that from an artistic standpoint. Even Aside from the artistic reasons, though, there's also kind of practical reasons, at least for me, having that sort of structure, having set parameters for your songs as you're writing them to kind of make them fit together can actually help with the creative process. Would you agree with that? I mean, I think it's kind of counterintuitive, but to me, having some rules or limitations surrounding my writing can actually make it easier to write something than if I had no boundaries, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's like starting with a blank slate versus starting with a template. Right. You know?
0: The blank slate's always going to be harder.
1: Right. Like in some ways, yeah, you might be restricted, but you're going to have that, that like path to follow to know where to go if you have like some sort of a template.
0: Yeah. You have something to compare back to to say like, is this, am I going in the right direction with this song mm-hmm. or something like that? As you're writing now, is that, are you giving any thought? to that i know you're thinking more towards an ep Um, but is that something that comes in your mind at all or is that not helpful
1: for me it's it's not doing what i've always done like i'll find myself using very similar like melody structures and i don't know just i'm just trying to not i'm trying to get out of my comfort zone because i don't like my comfort zone
0: Okay, so at this point, you're almost kind of trying to do the opposite. You're trying to not put those uh, those limitations on on what you're writing because right. that's kind of where you've been. So, I I mean, that's that's a valid point. And I think that might be one of the reasons why at any given point in somebody's artist career, they might choose to do one of these strategies over the other. This doesn't have to be a, an end-all be-all thing where everything you do has to be one strategy and there's one right one for you this can evolve over time depending on where you are. So I think that's a good thing to point out that sometimes having those limitations and constraints to your writing can be helpful. Other times, maybe that isn't going to be as helpful. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on to pro number three for albums. And this is one of the big ones, I think, still, and that's that it can be cheaper to actually create and produce. So having songs recorded, mixed, and mastered can be expensive. You can often reduce the overall cost, though, I think, by bundling songs together rather than doing them one at a time, spread over a long period of time. And this is really more true if you are blocking out a studio for the actual recording of your music. If you're recording yourself, mixing yourself, mastering yourself, producing yourself, maybe this isn't going to be as much of a, a benefit for you. But if you're, say, like a rock band or something like that, and you you need to book out studio time, hire a producer, hire a mixing engineer, and, and get mastering done, if you need to do all of those steps with somebody else contributing to it, I think that this can be a huge benefit to doing an album over singles. So blocking out a studio for a week or two or three to record an album, I think will always end up being cheaper than blocking it out for a few days to record a single and then doing it again a month later or two months later for the next song. So when you block out a studio for a whole album, parts of the setup can be left up between songs, which saves time. And in the studio, time is often synonymous with money. So if you don't have to set up the drum kit, set up all the mics on the drum kit, play, record, break everything down, and then come back a month later and do the same thing, set up the drum kit, set up the mics on the drum kit, play and record, break everything down. If you take out that setup and breakdown time between, you end up saving yourself money. Running a studio, Jake, do you find that that's something that happens? Do people come in and try and sort of block off the studio for a full album? Or do you, I mean, I know you do kind of a mix of, of genres, But say for something like a rock band or something where they're doing a a drum recording, do people do that with you?
1: As far as bands, there's really only two that I work with now. And one of them is just a guitarist (laughs) that writes everything else and does it all himself. And the drums are programmed and all that. And the other one is this pop rock band from the area, who are some of my very good friends. They... Basically what they did was they had like a six song five a few songs that were going on this EP and they would book studio days and the drummer would come in and record drums for one song, pack his gear up, come back the next week, do it all again, mic everything up, get the levels, and it was so frustrating. <laughs> and the other the and then another EP with them. The, the guitarist had to leave for like Afghanistan or something deployment right before quarantine happened. And um, so they hadn't finished writing the songs yet. So they and I've told them that this was a bad idea. And I joke, <laughs> I bust on them for this. They came in and started recording the songs before they were finished writing them. Oh, man, was that frustrating. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So I think, I mean, there are things that you, you obviously have to think about beforehand in order for this to be a cost benefit and sometimes I mean sometimes people don't have the option to book out a studio for three weeks or whatever and come in and record every day so like that's a that's a valid thing that you you may have day jobs and stuff like that and that's just how you have to do it
1: right and that that was kind of my point is like I I wish that they could book out the time but it's just not possible because at the end of the day we're all working people they like you're saying they have jobs not all their schedules line up on the same day right things happen but if you can book that time out if you
0: can (laughs) i think you can see the the cost benefits from there so ultimately i think if you were able to do an album that way all in one push you're gonna get a better cost per song recording an album than you would with a bunch of singles spaced out over a bunch of time. And this, of course, is genre-specific as well, because it's going to depend on how much setup and breakdown is actually necessary for your sessions. If you don't have a drum kit, I mean, there may not be that much setup that you really need to do that's going to take up a bunch of time and money. But it's definitely something to think about. It's kind of like buying in bulk. Like, why do people buy tons and tons of food at one time at, like, Costco or BJ's? Are those... Are those nationwide stores <laughs> or am uh, I just talking to people around me?
1: <laughs> so Costco isn't around here, but I went to Washington to visit my friend and they have it there and it's pretty crazy. It's kind of like BJ's. BJ's we have here, I'm pretty sure, in New York.
0: Yeah. So there there's stores where you can just go in and buy like pounds and pounds and pounds <laughs> of the same thing for food and you get better cost per actual item because of that. So buying in bulk
1: bulk milk.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm sure everybody has some like bulk store around them and can relate to that. All right. So for the last pro to doing albums, there is some, I think, tradition that goes along with making albums. And this is kind of like a, I don't know, not, not necessarily a practical pro, but something that, that might, mean something to you. So people are used to the idea of albums. Fans are used to consuming songs in album form. They like them. Fans, depending on the genre, also sometimes like finding the sort of, you know, like deep cuts that are on an album that aren't necessarily singles because that makes them feel like a bigger fan. They feel more connected to you. They want to be an expert on your artist career, not just on your most popular songs and stuff like that. They want to know all the songs that you've that you've put out. And I think there's something that goes along with consuming music as an album that makes that experience a little bit better for some fans. And then on top of that, kind of along with the the feeling of consuming music as an album, there are also currently money-making opportunities that come from traditional album releases like vinyl LPs. Selling a vinyl LP of your album You can only really do that if you're putting out an album. And that's something where people like to consume music in that way. They like having the big physical product, playing it from front to back uh, in one sitting. So there's there's that kind of like nostalgic element, I think, to releasing albums as well that you might not want to just overlook because of streaming platforms and stuff like that. All right. Then there are the cons of making albums. So like with everything, there are pros. And cons. So let's go through all of those and see if they outweigh the pros for any of you out there trying to figure out what you're going to do for yourself. So I think the most glaring con kind of comes with the territory of streaming services and just digital music distribution in general. And that is the unbundling of the album. That may be something that you've heard of in the past that really kind of became a term with iTunes back when iTunes first was released. You used to be forced, quote unquote, to listen to a whole album back in the vinyl days because it wasn't easy to just skip around from track to track. You could do it, but you had to do it by like looking around on the grooves of the record and then comparing that to the record sleeve, trying to figure out, okay, this groove is the start of this song, dropping the needle there. It it wasn't an easy thing to do. So people didn't really consume music that way as much. On streaming platforms now, and even back when iTunes was kind of king of the digital music area of the industry, you can really pick and choose what songs you want to listen to. It basically splits an album up into a bunch of singles and you no longer really have an album anymore. So if you wanted to write something like a concept album, maybe that's a big deal to you. If you don't write albums that way, maybe that's not a big deal to you. I don't know. Do you have any take on that, Jake, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing?
1: I don't think it's it's the the worst thing in the world. You're talking about the from front to back?
0: Yeah, or just splitting up an album so it's not like one cohesive body of work anymore.
1: I mean... I think it's, I think, I personally think it's cool when a record is cohesive. However, I think they can also come out super corny. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true.
1: Like, way too try hard to stay on topic and stuff like that. But, like, I think as long as the songs flow into each other in a cool way, then you can get away with that.
0: So, on top of that unbundling of the album, splitting the 10 songs into sort of individual songs, streaming services and streaming platforms also base all of their analytics and their algorithms around songs, not really albums. So like plays, for example, plays are counted by song. Playlists are made of songs where you kind of rip a song out of an album and it goes on a playlist, not necessarily in the context that it was originally meant to be played. And then the algorithm is often suggesting songs. So like your discover weekly on Spotify and I'm sure I use Spotify. So that's what I'm familiar with. Maybe Apple music has some, something like that. I'm sure they do, but the algorithm is going to suggest individual songs to you. It's not going to suggest a full album necessarily. You might discover an album that way, but it's really the platform itself is song based. So those are two things that kind of go hand in hand with one another. And then Con number three, which is, and this may actually be a pro if you're looking at it from the audience perspective, there's really no room for filler songs with albums on streaming services anymore. So it used to be you could just make a few great songs and then put a few okay songs on an album and get away with putting them out as an album. And since consumers were forced to purchase the whole album and all the tracks on it, a few good songs or let's be honest, even one good song could carry a bunch of crap to millions of sales. Like You could really, really do well with one hit single because you're essentially selling one song for the price of 10 songs, for the price of a full album. You don't really get that anymore on streaming platforms. Since it's all about plays, song plays, if you spend the money to record a song and release it on a streaming service... You better be reasonably sure that it's going to get some plays. Otherwise, it really doesn't make sense to spend the time and money to produce it, assuming that running this as a business is what you're going for, of course. It's not all about making money necessarily. I think that's a good thing, actually, for the industry as a whole, because it makes the overall quality level of music higher. I think. I'm sure some people out there would very aggressively disagree that the overall quality of music is higher nowadays, but that's a matter of opinion. I think overall, that's a good thing. It makes it so there's less filler music out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you were saying earlier, sometimes the fillers are the deep cuts.
0: Yeah. I guess it depends on what your definition of a filler is. Yeah. That's true.
1: What's up, guys? This is Jake. I just want to say thank you so much for listening me and Kobe we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Your reviews have been great. We love them. The support has been awesome. However, I know we have a few new listeners. If you guys could be so kind to go ahead and rate and review on whatever your streaming service is, that would be so awesome. And it goes a long way. Thank you so much.
0: All right. So those are kind of the pros and cons of albums. Let's move on to the album's baby brother or sister, the EP. And and really, there's not a ton more to talk about here. So if we're starting with the pros of making EPs. Really, EPs have all the same pros as albums, but to a lesser extent. So you can still get the added hype and press attention from releasing a collection of songs all at once rather than a single, just like you would with an album. You still get the structure benefits of writing multiple songs versus a single. And I guess you could put out a concept EP. I don't know if I've ever heard somebody do that, like a five song concept EP. I'm sure it's been done, but you can get the, the writing uh, and creative benefit from structuring it that way. Again, you can see the cost benefits from batching the recording, mixing, and mastering process versus breaking it up song by song. And again, there's some tradition, I think, surrounding EPs. People are familiar with what EPs are. You can even still release them on vinyl. That kind of brings us back to some of the other formats of vinyl. Aside from the 12-inch 33 RPM record, you could put out a 7-inch EP. That's pretty cool. People do that. But it's not all exactly the same as with albums. There's also one benefit to putting out an EP over putting out a full-length album, I think. And it's especially a benefit if you're early on in your artist career. And that is that EPs are a great way to kind of figure out what your sound is with slightly lower stakes than producing a full-length album. And I think that's kind of what you were talking about earlier, Jake, like with why you were thinking about putting out an EP or kind of reinventing your sound, reinventing your branding right now. Yeah. So an EP is a great format for that, I think.
1: Yeah, and that's that's why I've been thinking about it, about doing it that way just because it everything previously has been pretty loose as far as branding and and sound goes and everything. And I feel like now I'm at a point where I have an understanding of what I want to do and where I want to take things, so it might be a good time to really put out that first like, little body of work along with the correct branding and marketing to just kind of say, like, okay, this is, this is what I want to do as an artist.
0: Yeah. I think it's also that without quite as much investment, though, like, it's, it's not as much of a statement as putting out a full album. Like, you can still – you still have room after releasing an EP to kind of move on to something slightly different. Whereas I think when you put out an album, a full-length album – you're making a statement of really like this is who I am as an artist, and this album is a definitive body of work that represents me completely. So I think the EP is just kind of a a, a step down from that, and still leaves you a little bit of of room. So it can it be a really good way to figure out your sound without the without as much risk. You're not investing in ten songs. Maybe you're investing in five songs, or or something like that, or four songs. And this makes an EP a great option in some situations, I think, but maybe not what you would want to reach for on every single release. I think if you're releasing EPs, the end goal is always kind of to move on to albums. Maybe that's not the case for for some artists, but I feel like that's kind of like the direction. It's like this next step towards full albums. But I think that brings us to the cons of EPs. And like the pros, we have a lot of the same cons of albums as well. So we have unbundling, the streaming service analytics, and the algorithms all being based on songs. No room for filler songs, even less room, I would say, for filler songs on an EP. But one of the pros of an EP can also be a con, I think. So I said that EPs are kind of like mini albums with lower stakes, right? The problem is that with those lower stakes, I think it can sometimes come with a lower perception of quality from your audience. An EP is kind of viewed as a lesser body of work compared to an album. Is that something that you feel too, Jake? Or or you get a sense that people think of it that way? Or am I way off base here?
1: It's funny because as a consumer, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <But laughs> as an artist, no. <laughs>
0: Right, yeah, and I think that's kind of where the disconnect happens because I'm not saying that when p- somebody puts out an EP, it's not their best stuff or it's just I, not I, the
1: it's not the the big present, dude. It's not the the big box <laughs> on Christmas morning. You know what I mean? Right.
0: Yeah, it's the stocking stuffer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> which are great too sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether that's valid or not. I just think that EPs often aren't held up by fans the same way that albums are. So that's something you want to think about too. Since since they have a reputation for being a little bit more experimental, experimental for lack of a better word, they may not re- receive quite as much hype as a full album. There are definitely exceptions to that, and I think like with hype machine and 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 kind of blog aggregators and and stuff like that, this is less of a thing now maybe than it used to be, but that's something to consider whether when you're thinking about whether to do an EP or a full-length album. An album may be better for branding overall if you have the songs for it. Again, that really comes down to to where you are in your career at the time. All right, so we kind of glossed over EPs because they're sort of like the the middle child there. (laughs) Um, They have some characteristics of both. But let's move on to singles because I think really that's the big debate. Do you want to release songs on their own or do you want to release songs grouped together, whether that's an album or an EP. So I think in the current music industry, the singles-only release strategy is often held up as the way of the future. But just like with albums and EPs, there are pros and there are cons. So let's go through those, starting with the pros. The first pro is basically the opposite of one of the pros of doing albums. Instead of structure, like you would have with an album or a concept album where you have these limitations that can help you write, with a singles-based approach, you have complete freedom in your songwriting, song by song. You can kind of do whatever you want as long as it fits with your brand, I guess. I think that's a big appeal to some people versus doing albums. Would you say that?
1: So I agree with that. However, where I disagree with that is when people go too far off like release something that is really off brand might kind of tank a few of their fans. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, not. I'm not saying to not, you know, branch out and try different things, but like, you know, what's going to work for your, your demographic.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, this is something that we've talked about a lot, branding, consistency in branding. Right. So I think you're, you're absolutely right. If you're going to kind of go uh, and, and be free with it, you, it has to still fit with your branding.
1: Do it in a way where you're not entirely free.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, free, but not. Freedom don't mean free, boy. <laughs> yeah, I think that says it. Let's move on to pro number two of releasing singles. So releasing a series of singles also gives you a feedback loop that you can use to improve your songwriting and really hone in on what your audience likes. I think this is huge, actually. And this is one of the reasons that for a long time, I would have said singles is the way to go for the modern industry. Mm-hmm. So basically the idea is it goes something like this. You release a song and then you gauge the response of your audience. Do they like it? Are they listening to it like crazy? Do they kind of listen to it for a week and then it dropped off? You're, you're sort of analyzing what happens with the song. And then, if your audience likes it and the song does really well, you can kind of continue on a similar trajectory for your next single release. Or if the song doesn't do as well as you expected, you can try and figure out what went wrong and adjust course for your next song. So you have that feedback loop from song to song where you can adjust. And you don't really get that luxury with an album. It's sort of like an all or nothing sort of deal. You don't get to put out one song and then adjust for track two of the album. You release them all at the same time. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. The The only problem I have with that is when people release so many songs in such a short amount of time. Like don't, don't take 12 songs and release them every two weeks for half a year. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. That's going to get overwhelming and your fans, I feel like, will get tired of it.
0: Well, I feel like at that point too, you might not have enough time to really have the feedback loop help you. Like two weeks isn't necessarily enough time to analyze the results of a song streams and stuff like that. So yeah, you do have to space them out enough in order for that to work. But yeah, that's a really good point. All right, so for pro number three, uh, this is another big one. And this is probably one of the reasons that most other artists who choose the single strategy go for it. And it's that you can kind of do what you just said, Jake. You want to spread out your releases Over a longer period of time. And and I think this is something that you mentioned a little bit earlier today, too. So, when you put out an album and you're dropping, say, 10 songs all at once, then your fans have to wait a year, a year and a half. I don't know. For some bands, yeah, it's two, three years. Yeah. They have to wait a long time for you to release more music. And the longer that they're waiting, the worse that is for you. A year is a long time for people these days with short attention spans, and there's so much music coming out all the time, it can be really easy for them to get bored of an artist and kind of forget about them with album releases. And obviously that's not good. You don't want them to forget about you. So instead of releasing those same 10 songs as a full album, you could release them one at a time, a month apart, two months apart or something like that. You can help yourself stay top of mind for your audience. How, how critical do you think that is, Jake?
1: I think that's extremely important to stay at the forefront, but with kind of like exactly what I was saying earlier, your fans will kind of get tired of you being like new single, new single, new single, new single over and over again. Um, right. so while I do think it's important to stay at, at like at the front of people's minds, but I don't think you should overdo it. I think you got to find that balance, but yeah, I think that's, Number one, especially here in 2020 and especially going into 2021 when things are going to be even crazier to stay at the forefront.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And then finally, for pro number four, as we mentioned when we were talking about albums, streaming platforms are optimized for singles. They are song based kind of throughout all of their features. So all the analytics, the algorithm It's all centered around helping listeners find songs. You don't have to worry about how Spotify or Apple Music will divide up your album because you've made every song a standalone thing. So you're kind of using the con of an album on a streaming platform as the benefit if you're releasing singles. All that being said, as popular as the singles only release strategy is these days, it isn't without cons. So I do want to go through all of those just to kind of wrap up this pro and con episode about these strategies. So first, this is kind of something we alluded to earlier. It can be expensive to produce songs in this way, especially if you're booking studio time. If you're doing 10 different sessions in a year versus one longer session where you're recording 10 songs, it just isn't as cost effective. However, if you're producing yourself and you're recording yourself, and you don't need a studio, maybe this isn't an issue. Maybe this is one way that you can kind of get all the benefits of singles without the cost. So that's just something to think about depending on what genre you're in, what type of music you make, and what your process is for actually creating your music that you're gonna release. For con number two, and this is something that I don't think most artists consider uh, when thinking about this strategy, is that songs released standalone may burn out a little faster than songs released as part of an album. And I'd be interested to hear if you would disagree with this, Jake, or if anybody out there would disagree with this. This is just kind of the sense that I get. If you release a single, your fans only have one new thing to listen to. And I think they'll listen to that song over and over, and they may get sick of it earlier than they would if they had nine other songs as part of an album to listen to. If you're putting out new singles frequently enough, riding that fine line like we talked about, maybe you don't care about that, maybe it's okay if they get bored with your songs early, but I don't think most artists want that. And then if you're if you're only putting out one single every 6 months, this may really come into play. That may be kind of the the worst place to be as far as this goes where you're not putting out songs very often and people have are are getting bored of them faster. That that's kind of the place you don't want to be. What's your take on that, Jake?
1: Um I <laughs> I'm definitely in that 6 month thing where it takes me 6 months between songs, singles, but I'm also the person that if an artist that I like drops a single, I'm going to like you said play play it until it's done. You know yeah. what I mean? Like play the life out of it and And that's it. And like, I don't know. I honestly, like, yeah, maybe by a few days, the album would last. But yeah, I would say just a few days longer for me, at least.
0: Okay. So maybe it's not huge. I think for me, I'm not one of the, like, my wife is somebody who can listen to the same song or the same album, like every day on her drive to work and drive home for like a year and not get sick of it. I am not that person. Like, I can't do that. I get sick of music fairly quickly. So maybe this is more, this kind of depends on the fan. But I think if I'm getting sick of stuff quickly enough for it to be a negative, I think it's probably going to be the case for other listeners out there too. So it's just something to think about. Uh, It's something that I think about when I'm listening to music. So I just want to make people aware of that because I don't think that's something that people necessarily put any thought into when they're deciding on this strategy. All right. So on to number three. In addition to that, what we just mentioned, it can be tougher, like we said, to maintain consistent branding with a singles-based approach. So yes, you get the freedom to kind of not have your songs fit perfectly together, but since every song is on its own, you have to put more attention on your branding and make sure that you jumping around too, too much. You don't really have, like we said, complete freedom from song to song. And it kind of cancels out part of the benefit of releasing only singles if you jump around too, too much. So I think we've already kind of mentioned that one. And then for the last con that we have listed here, uh, and this is again, something that I alluded to a little bit earlier when we were talking about albums, Releasing singles can cause you to rely heavily on streaming platforms, like really heavily on streaming platforms. And it can make it more difficult to implement some of the additional income streams that are available with albums. So by that, I mean, like vinyl is the main one. Maybe you could release every single as a vinyl single. I guess that would be possible. You could do that. But I think the overhead expenses of that might cancel out the potential to really make any sort of money off of that. So I don't know. That might not be the most viable option. And otherwise, if you were going to put songs out on vinyl, you'd have to bundle them into an album, in which case you might as well just release it as an album. So that's just something to think about, too, that you you might miss out on some of those album benefits. I guess that is kind of obvious. That might go without saying. All right. That was a lot. <laughs> that we just went over for each of those strategies. I mean, there's there's a reason that this debate has been going on and constantly evolving since the beginning of the recorded music industry. Does laying all that out, the pros and cons, change the way you feel about your own release strategy at all, Jake? Or does that kind of solidify the direction that you were already planning on going in?
1: Um, I wouldn't say it does one or the other. It's definitely definitely making me think about it more. Um, I mean, I'm indecisive anyway, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think the point is to make you think about it because sometimes there's a bunch of information thrown around that one way is the right way to do it. And I think the point that we're trying to make is that every way has pros and cons and you have to kind of listen to yourself, where you are in your artist career right now, and just try and make the best decision for where you are right now and and not go off of anybody telling you singles are the way of the future or (laughs) Albums are always going to be a thing and stuff like that. So I I do want to kind of give you, I said at the beginning, I would give you my general take for the current state of the industry. And I guess in order for me to do that, we have to make a few assumptions. So one of those assumptions might be that uh, this would be for somebody who's not just getting started, has released a fair amount of music before. Maybe they've tried the album approach and the singles approach and an EP or something like that. Um, once you're kind of established in your career. Like I said, I've gone back and forth over this over the years. And for a while, streaming had, like, streaming part of the industry had me really on the singles-only bandwagon. I would have said, yes, that's the way of the future. However, I've changed my mind again because I'm also indecisive. And I think that right now, the traditional hybrid album singles approach still works really well in the streaming era. So by traditional hybrid album singles approach, I mean putting out albums led by three or so singles that are part of the album. Like you release the singles first to kind of generate uh, buzz for the album. And the reason that I think this is still a good strategy is I think it really takes all of the pros and cons that we talked about into account, and it really gives you the best of both worlds. You can stretch out an album over time by leading it with a few singles, and then in doing so, you're also building up hype around a bigger release. So you get that benefit of an album release also. You also get the cost benefit of batch recording, if that's something that is a big issue for you because you're recording an album all at once. And you get the branding benefit and consistency from bundling the songs all together. So it can help with the writing process. Really, I think the main downside for that strategy, in my mind, is that it it takes a little bit more planning and you also don't get that feedback loop like you do with singles. So since you're kind of bundling everything together and recording it all at once, you can't like put out a single, and then adjust later. If it's a flop, you might not know about it until it's too late. So even though you're releasing singles first, the rest of the album is already finished by that point, so you can't really go back and like rewrite anything to improve the audience reception. So you don't benefit in that way. I don't know, would you agree with that, Jake? Does that sound like, in general, for a more established artist, that makes sense? Or are there any cons that I'm forgetting about?
1: I would say for the, for the more established artists. Yes, 100%. But I think for someone that's just starting out, and I think we've said this before, it's important to just go. Yeah, And, to and start. get stuff out, yeah. Because, you know, if, especially if you're a new artist, you might, you might drop a single or an album or an EP or something that you thought was what you wanted to do. And once you get the feedback and see how it hits with people or, you know, just get more comfortable with yourself as an artist, you, your whole perception of your artistry might change. So, I think it's good to 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 just start dipping your toes in the water, and yeah. and by doing that, you're releasing singles, or even if you put an EP out. I just I wouldn't say go full throttle off the rip and and drop an album because no one needs to do that.
0: Right, that's a big investment, and ultimately that makes it a bigger risk as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think the progression that I might. Recommends to people is to kind of do it as like a stepladder sort of thing, like release a single or two first, kind of test the waters, build up to an EP. And then, with the ultimate goal where you're getting the most benefit versus the fewest cons, would be that sort of hybrid singles album approach. That's my take on it. You are absolutely 100% free to disagree with me. <laughs> and I would actually love to hear about it if. You do disagree with me on that. So that's it for our rundown of singles versus EPs versus albums. Come and tell us your thoughts on these three strategies. What's worked best for you in your artist career and and what hasn't worked? Go to self-signed community on Facebook and share your experiences there. Sharing the successes and the failures in that kind of forum can, can help somebody else who might be debating which strategy is right for them. So go do that. Go help each other out. And, and we're going to be keeping an eye on that. And I'm looking forward to hearing what people are doing out there. Also, like always, if you like this episode, we would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating and a review, preferably five stars. The more you let us know and Apple podcast, the more you let Apple podcast mm-hmm. know that you like this stuff the more the podcast is going to be recommended to new listeners. So that's another way that you can help out other people in the, in the community. And then on top of that, tell your musician friends about this podcast if you think they'd benefit from it too. The more the merrier. So thank you in advance for all of that. And we will be back next Wednesday for another episode. So we'll see you then or hear you then or, or you're, you'll hear us then. <laughs> something like that (laughs)
1: something like that bye (laughs) peace